Well, I didn't use the Goldilocks word yesterday, but lots of people did when talking about the jobs numbers from the US on Friday, that they weren't so bad that the recovery was seen as slowing. Also good that the Fed would start cutting back on asset purchases. They were just right, but today maybe Goldilocks is losing some of their shine. Equities have switched direction, with the exception of tech stocks. Bond yields have climbed back a little. So what's driving this slight change in sentiment? Is it more inflation worries again? Or is it concerns about the speed of the recovery? Or is something else at play? Let's find out. It's Friday, the 8th of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is down again, losing another 0.2% on the DXY. The Aussie dollar up a quarter percent to 77.6 US cents. The yen, the Swiss franc and the euro gaining almost as much. The pound up, but a little less than that. Whilst US equities are pretty mixed, the Nasdaq is up half a percent, but the Dow and the S&P are down a bit. In fact, almost uh, 0.4% down for the Dow. And the bond story, well, it's not big, not much really in the way of movement. Ten-year treasuries gained a couple of basis points from the falls that we saw at the end of last week. Only one basis point up now and bonds across most of Europe also are up a couple of basis points but no big shakes here and oil drifting down a bit Brent losing a bit over half a percent this morning but no big moves really anywhere although that rise in equities didn't last long did it and the bonds as I say they have not moved a great deal but they have switched direction so let's start on all of that with Ray Atrell head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney and so Ray I'm wondering whether um, I asked yesterday whether the, the, the comments that Janet Yellen made over the weekend about how high interest rates to a point could be a good thing. Um, could that be? I mean, it's not a big move on the bond market, but I mean, you'd imagine something like that could influence bonds. Is that what's happened here? Um, possibly. I think as you were you know, talking with Rodrigo yesterday, he was a little bit dismissive, and I think I am too, in the sense that if that, um, you know, those comments of, you know, the U.S. government endorsing higher interest rates from the from the central <laughs> bank, heaven forbid, um, had it shown up in a, in, a, in a bigger move higher in bond yields, I probably would have given that more credence than I'm than I'm going to. So um, you know, it certainly made enough headlines, didn't it? And um, you know, my sort of so what's, what, what's what's driving the switch in direction? Then? Well, we, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we, we, we were talking about a Goldilocks moment, <laughs> weren't we, yesterday? And well, I'm just wondering whether has Goldilocks lost their shine a bit? Well, today? I don't know. All I would say is I know it's only Tuesday, but um, Remember, you know, most of the volatility that we've had in in most markets, whether it's bonds, equities or currencies in the last um, little while, and I'm talking about the last month, we've really lurched from one sort of event risk to another. And going back three and a half weeks, remember, it was the CPI numbers that uh, caused a violent reaction. Friday, obviously, it was the payrolls numbers that did it. And this Thursday, we have the next CPI print. So um, I hesitate yeah. to say that we're waiting for CPI, but I think there is an element of truth to that. Um, just going back to the equities, um, yes, I mean, obviously, that um, you know Saturday morning London time um, agreement with lots of eyes uh, to be crossed and T's to sorry eyes to be dotted and T's to be crossed about an at least fifteen percent tax rate. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know that was a little bit of a worry um, first thing this morning. But then, if I look at the across the indices and see that the, the Nasdaq is performing better. Um, than the other indices, and it's the it's the tech sector that um, is the one that is mm. most vulnerable to paying higher taxes. Given that that's where the big companies that are paying less than fifteen percent reside, um, it suggests to me that for now at least the uh, the stock market is kind of shrugging that off. And you know, obviously, reading about the, the tax plan, there's still you know. Well, they call it many a slip twixt cup and lip insofar as, you know, the G7 have agreed, but we need to get G20 agreement, which uh, I think the Rigo was saying is, is next month. 
um, you know, and broader OECD agreement, and that's where the likes of, of, of Ireland with its 10% tax rate potentially can be a thorn in the side of getting true global agreement. So, you know, mm. I think it is an issue and ultimately it, it, it will, you know, perhaps lead to a bit of underperformance of the tech sector versus others, but there's no evidence of that today for sure. Well, may, maybe the tech sector has uh, has looked at it and already found a loophole and, uh, <laughs> and said the survey that perhaps. It wouldn't ah. surprise me. Uh, uh, look, one one question that we you know we've been asking time and time again is uh, is about this. Uh, you know, uh, it is inflationary, I guess. This, uh, but the impact on not just inflation, but also just the the level of supply uh, the, through disrupted supply chains. Um, and you could look at, I guess, at the balance of trade numbers for China because exports fell. So is that another sign of issues around supply chains? Or is it because we look at what's happening across Asia now? I mean, a lot of it is in lockdown. Tokyo, for example, has extend, extended its lockdown for another three weeks. It's right up to just two weeks before the Olympics. Taiwan has extended its lockdown. The, the Singapore-Hong Kong travel bu- bubble is being delayed. So Asia's not faring too well for COVID right now. So it could just as much be... Lack of demand, couldn't it, as uh, the, these countries stay in lockdown? It could be. And I think that, you know, the brutally true answer is that we just don't know. And it's the same with inflation, yeah. isn't it? How much of it is, mm. you know, the base effects we're all very familiar with. But in terms of the strength of demand, particularly for goods, um, you know, and to, to a greater extent now services, obviously, thinking about the, the hospitality sector and then how that showed up in higher wages, you know, on Friday versus these ongoing supply disruptions. And there are a fair few stories around yesterday, um, again, in the sort of semiconductor sector, suggesting that, you know, these supply chain shortages could extend for another 12 months or more. And, and obviously, that plays into that view of just how transitory will the supply side driven rise in, 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 in prices persist. But you are right. I mean, the, you know, the export and import numbers in year on year terms were both um, substantially higher than last month. But that is primarily um, a uh, you know, a base effect, and 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 in terms of you know, in volume terms, it does look that you know exports certainly were off a couple of percent. So there is that question of have we reached peak goods demand in the world? Um, mm. So you know it certainly bears watching at least. Uh, you know I'm probably I'm still I think of the um, you know the impact of uh, intermediate supply chain shortages probably being the dominant influence there. Um, rather than demand. But obviously, we do expect as economists more fully reopen, um, you know, the pent up demand is, is clearly going to be, you know, skewed heavily towards services, potentially at the expense of uh, you know, how many home offices can we kit out, for example, <laughs> you know, before we yeah, say we want yeah. to go on holiday and, and, and therefore you see a diversion of spending. But uh, so I think it's a little bit early to be drawing that sort of conclusion with any uh, any degree of confidence. But, um, mm, yeah. but, but, but certainly, I, I think, it's certainly I guess the point I was making is when, we're not out of it yet, are we? And we're going to see more of these lockdowns, it seems, and, uh, you know, all over the world. I mean, even even if we look at the situation in Europe, and that's going to be interesting for the ECB because, uh, well, uh, factory orders for Germany for April, example, another uh, a- example of something that, you know, the, the expectation was that there would be a rise of around 1%, but it actually fell. And, uh, you know, we've got travel restrictions picking up in, in, in uh, Europe as well. So it's likely, for example, that uh, travellers from the US and the UK uh, are going to have to quarantine if they're travelling into Europe. So that's, you know, going to decimate the European travel industry, uh, you know, particularly when they have to quarantine when they get home as well. So all of that, uh, you know, and that, that is all because they've got a slower vaccine rollout and all, also all of these uh, new strains of the, uh, of the virus as well. 
So, um, you know, so there's another example of a, a slowdown. And we, you know, we've been talking about the, whether the ECB was going to announce any tapering at their at their, their next meeting. Because of that, it's looking less and less likely, isn't it? Yeah, just one thing on the on the factory orders. You're right that um, yeah, the numbers came in. It was at 0.5% down on the month. They were expected to be up a couple of tenths. But if you look at the split between domestic orders and foreign orders, foreign orders were actually up strongly and it's domestic orders mm. that fall. So that sort of, you know, going back to the argument, it suggests that, yes, maybe, you know, lockdowns are, you know, showing up a little bit now in, in, in weaker demand domestically, um, but export demand um, is, is still in very, very rude health. So that's a little bit of a, you know, thumbing the nose yeah. of the argument that maybe demand for goods globally is, is, is starting to slow down. I mean, obviously, ECB is not until uh, till Thursday, um, you know, our view and, you um, you know, I'm sure Gavin has already articulated articulated that on the call, is that probably the ECB can duck out of an explicit decision about what it does with tapering and saying, well, for the rest of this quarter, you know, we carry on as we are. So um, at this stage, you know, they don't, they're not in a position, they haven't got a gun to their head to say, yes, bond purchases in the third quarter will necessarily be at a slower clip than we had in the second quarter. So we think that they'll uh, they'll try and fudge that, but no doubt the uh, the enterprising journalists are going to be pushing Christine Lagarde very hard for a decision mm. there. So, um, but but you are right that um, you know to the extent that there are, are ripples and, and concerns about the uh, the vigour of the recovery um, with these various uh, lockdowns and in the UK, for example, it looks like they're certainly going to extend the uh, the July twenty first reopen fuller reopening is going to be pushed back. Um, you know, it certainly plays to not wanting to to say anything that could in any way be construed as having a, a slightly less dovish tilt than uh, than they have at the moment. Right now, Australia, the uh, the NAB business survey is out this morning. Last time, of course, we saw record numbers for business conditions and for confidence. So, will it maintain the momentum? We don't know today, uh, but I wonder whether the impact of the, the the Melbourne lockdown could take the edge off it, or is it is, is it too soon for that? Um, yes, I'm not. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure when the the closing date for the survey was, but uh, but as you say, the um, you look at the the long term chart of the the NAB survey yeah. and those latest reading, the conditions were what plus thirty two. Um, you know, confidence was plus 26, well into, you know, records territory or further extending the record highs that we'd seen earlier. And obviously these are, you know, it's like diffusion indices, as you say. So it's it's not saying the economy is stronger than it's ever been in history, but uh, it's about sort of rates of change, isn't it, and that sort of thing. So yeah. it will be interesting to see whether, um, you know, as you say, the Melbourne lockdowns have, have taken the edge off. But I don't know because I haven't seen the numbers. And uh, No, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so you shouldn't. Uh, but loads of jobs in Australia. We had the ANZ figures yesterday showing a 7.9% rise for May. And the question is, are they the right jobs? Will they get filled? Which is a global thing, isn't it, really, about, um, you know, it's just about whether there is what we call a lot of frictional unemployment here, where the, where the jobs are and where the people that can fill those jobs are residing, and in terms of skills mismatches, basically. So that is, uh, yeah. that's nothing that's unique to, uh, to Australia. And uh, so um, we await developments with interest there. Yeah, and we'll be asking the same question as well, won't we, with the US figures, because we get the jolts, the job openings in March. There were 8.1 million jobs open, which is, you know, you, you look at that and think, well, they were, you know, it's not a problem at all. I mean, just take those jobs and everyone's back at work. Well, right. But that doesn't seem to be happening. Because what was the number in the payrolls? It's 7.9 million people, yeah, fewer people so working. And you say, well, there you go. Well, there's 8.1 million jobs there. I think the expectation is it'll pick up to something like 8.2 million. But uh 
there's a huge amount of sort of uh, you know frictional and locational and skills based uh, mismatches that uh, you know it's not as though the jolts number's gone from zero to eight million. It's, uh, you know it is at the highest levels in history, agreed. But um, I don't think that tells mm. you that uh, you know when we fully reopen, at, um, you know, and, and people stop getting their their. Three hundred dollar uh, supplement, which does start to, uh, to to fall off as early as this month in some states, obviously, uh, and we do expect yeah. a big rise in participation and, and potentially some much stronger payrolls numbers in, in, in the months ahead. But um, I don't think that jobs number is coming down to zero anytime soon. All right, and also today in the states we get the uh, the small business optimism uh, and the, the U.S. trade balance. Now, if China has been exporting less, isn't there a, a strong chance that the U.S. will have been importing less? But, uh, possibly, although looking at the breakdown of the China number. We've seen a little bit of an easing back, but not, um, you know, the, the, the U.S. trade deficit with China continues to rise. So, um, right. you know, whatever the overall numbers show, and I think there is expected to be, we've already had the advanced goods trade numbers, which did show quite a, a, a fall back in the in the deficit. So, and that should be uh, reflected in the, in the overall trade numbers. So the expectation there is, I think, 68 point something from, from 74, but that's what we already know. But in terms of, you know, does it mean anything as far as, uh, you know, a shrinkage in the US deficit with China? The answer is almost certainly no. Right. Okay. And look, all the big news is later in the week, isn't it? As I already mentioned the ECB, we've got the US CPI coming up as well, uh, but not a lot happening today other than what we've already mentioned. So maybe we'll use this as a, an opportunity to leave now. Uh, good to talk, Ray. Let's do that. Okay, cheers. We, we will resist the temptation to talk at length when really there's not too much to talk about this morning. Uh, so we'll be back again tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.